It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. The Utes get the win over the Oregon State Beavers 42-16. And we look ahead as Utah travels to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA Bruins. I'm Cameron and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. How we doing, boys? We are good. Another Saturday rolls by and another Utah victory. Up to 11th in the country. Climbing back up. Back to that seven spot. With two very large games right in front of us. Oh, these are the huge. Two probably biggest games back to back. Like both on Fox, national television. I I honestly think it's the two, probably the two biggest regular season games in Utah history. Bigger than Oregon last year, number three in the country. I'm, but I'm saying back-to-back. Back. Oh, back-to-back. Back. Yeah, you're probably right. Back-to-back back as far as just what's on the line, um, where Utah sits currently, and how I mean, how pivotal these games are to, uh, to taking that step, to being in position to play for a Pac-12 title. So huge, especially after how UCLA looked over the weekend, just absolutely drubbing UW. Did they? Well, okay, I shouldn't say did they look good, because they actually did look good, but is it because Washington hadn't played anybody? Well, and Washington was missing, what, three starters in the backfield on defense? Well, and when I, three of your five starters are out. I'm, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know much about UW because I don't out of some highlights and whatnot. But going into that game, I was expecting a battle. And watching that game, UW looked awful they did i mean come going into that game there was talk of Penix being a heisman candidate and he looked awful andre ware spent the whole first quarter telling how <laughs> he's given the number one vote to to Penix jr and i'm by by halftime like this get this guy off the air <laughs> he throws such a tight ball oftentimes you can't even see the white spinning because he spins it so fast Oh, another interception. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> All right, we'll get into UCLA a little bit later, but let's go back. Utah gets the big victory over Oregon State, 42-16. to 16. Thank you, Mr. Clark Phillips. What a game, huh? Three picks. Three picks, one pick six. And a pick six. Huge. Huge game. Um, but it was an interesting game, right? I mean, it was... They look, Utes looked was, really good it was in weird. moments. It was a weird game. And they looked really bad in, mon- in moments. And when you look at that final score, 42-16, you think, man, an absolute drubbing. And then you look at the stats, and 
Oregon State nearly, they led in most every important statistic, offensively, defensively. And, I mean, it, it really came down to what happened in the red zone. Utah was really good in the red zone. Obviously, you score on defense with a pick six. That helps your cause drastically. You're up 4-0 in the turnover battle. But 42-16, to where statistically, it looked like it should have been probably a pretty close game. And it was, it was early in the third quarter. Mid-third quarter. Five-point game, and then that's when Utah started to pull away. Yeah, it was strange. At times, you're just like, what is Utah doing? It was They couldn't establish a run game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to hear Whittingham talk it, after that game and, and again today in his press conference talking about how the running backs are not seeing the linebackers and th- so they're not making the appropriate cut to to you know pick up that additional yardage and I, I think there's some blame on the offensive line too for not getting a push but it's interesting because in the second half of the Florida game, we dominated by running the ball. And then we played some lesser opponents and we dominated running the ball as we should have. But the last couple of weeks, the run game hasn't been that great. No, it's not been good. So do you guys think that it's because of the off the field issues with Thomas and he's not getting those carries anymore? I don't. I don't know that I place all of it on Thomas. I, I definitely think he's not helping the cause, right? Because he's not playing at a high level. He's not allowing himself to be in a position to do so because he's being disciplined by by Kyle, and he's not getting carries. He's not starting games, and clearly, this coaching staff does not trust him with what's going on off the field. And and we don't need to necessarily get into that, but how that's affecting is and now and now you go and you lose um, you lose Curry for the year, and it's almost like there's still a ton of talent in that room, but nobody's with with Thomas taking a step back. Nobody is really stepping to the f- the front Mm-mm. outside of maybe Bernard. But I just I don't know that I see Bernard capable of being an every down back that's well, going to be your main he's carrier. Little, he's a little banged up too, according to Kyle. So he's not even getting as many plays called for him as he typically would. But but you're right. So that we talk about how that that running back room is so deep. But you're right. Nobody's stepping up. It's it's deep with experience. Or excuse me, it's deep with talent, not experience, outside of Tavion, right? Because Glover, true freshman, uh, JJ, what just switched over to the position two 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 games ago, mm-hmm. and um, and Bernard again, Bernard's just been used his whole entire career here as kind of that option back, right? Like mm-hmm. he'll get carries here and there. He's great at pass protection. He's great catching the ball out of the backfield. And that's kind of his role. And it's been his role other than getting some carries here and there. Yeah, he's always been that kind of that relief running back, right? right. It was uh, Ty Jordan. Then it was Thomas. He's never been that the feature guy in this offense. Right, right. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm to the point where if Tavion can't do what is expected of him to be a D1 starting running back, I'm to the point 
Let's move on. He's a distraction. If he's not going to help the team, what's the point of having him on the team? All in or? You're in the way. See, I, I think I kind of have a, a different approach than you, and I don't know, Ryan, how you feel about that. Um, I, I'm not ready to, to set sail with Thomas. I think he's a tremendous talent, and honestly, I think he needs football in his life. He needs that team, that culture to help him get whatever he's going through. And I, I wouldn't argue with that, but let's also be realistic here, okay? If, if he needs football, he needs to be doing what is expected of him. This is not a daycare, right? <laughs> like, obviously, I'm not saying, oh, his life isn't important. And if no, we, and I didn't mean you and, were saying that. And if that. we cut him, you know, who cares? No, obviously, we want him to be successful in life. But I don't think you can hold that over a program's head. Hey, if you cut me, I'm going to go down the drain here, right? To an extent, look at the opportunities and, and, and the blessings that Utah, this football program, has given him. And if he can't step to, up to the challenge and he can't do the basic requirements expected of him, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell him. And clearly... That's why he hasn't played much the last couple of weeks. I mean, Whittingham is trying to send a message, and whether or not that gets through, I guess, is is to be determined. Although I do find it interesting, if they are trying to send a message, why not just bench him? What What's with the handful of plays here, a handful of plays there? Yeah, he, he didn't play that first series after the first pick, but the very next series, he's your running back out there. Yeah, he got six carries in this game. And yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what Kyle, how Kyle's going about this, or what he's doing. Obviously, in the in the previous game at ASU, he sat out to the first half and part of the third quarter before he came in. Um, this game, not so much. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I still think he's probably. Assuming he he is doing a good enough job to appease what Kyle is asking of him off the field, I think he's going to continue to be your starter just because of the fact that we don't have anybody else stepping up to take that number one spot at the moment. And I think that's where I'm coming from is just because someone like Glover hasn't really emerged as that leader on the field, um, that's why I'm not ready to ride Thomas off. Because I, I think he, there is a Utah still needs him. Is, is where I'm coming from. But I, I agree. I and totally I, get what you're saying is you can't let, you can't let players break rules and still play. No. There, there's that culture that, that Winningham has that, you know, everyone loves. And as a fan base, we embrace. Um, I, I'm just not ready to, I, I guess, to turn the keys over to someone else. I, I still think Thomas can be that lead, that lead back. And Utah needs him, but we only need him if he's not going to be a distraction. Because if he's being a distraction, it's not only himself that he's hurting, but now it's wearing off onto the rest of the team. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. Figure figure it out yeah, elsewhere. To, I mean, I kind of you all of us were texting you know, later Saturday, and we talking about this, and it almost reminds me a little bit of how the the Brewer situation played out. Like these guys. The O-line wasn't blocking really well for Brewer. And then Rising comes in and all of a sudden they remember how to block. I get the same feeling when Tavion's out there. They don't seem engaged in opening holes for him. 
where now there weren't a lot of other great runs, but in the second half, when Bernard ran, there were some holes. He he found some holes to run through. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting take because, you know, we've all kind of heard that Brewer was kind of a bit of a loner in the locker room, if you will, mm-hmm. didn't really embrace the, the team. Um, so I think that that's a, a good observation, Ryan. Uh, you know, looking at this running game, though, we got to give praise to Rising. That RPO was killing Oregon State all game. Rising finishes with 73 yards, that stiff arm that he had. Um, he's so good at that. scoring the touchdown on, like as much as, you know, I, I had weird feelings about the offense that game watching it a second time. I honest, it wasn't as bad as I initially thought the first time watching that game. And a lot of that is rising had such a great game. And Scott, I think you mentioned this on the, on that last week's episode was not having Keithy. How was rising going to respond and where was he going to go? And I don't think Kincaid got a target till the second quarter. He caught the first ball of the game. Oh, that's right. But I mean, it was just for a short pickup of three yards or mm-hmm. so. Um, but I, I think he was only targeted three times in the, in the entire game. And Kyle mentioned that. He's got to get more targets. He's got to get more involved in, in the game. I mean, I, I get that, but I loved how the ball was just moving around the yeah. offense. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing, Scott, you mentioned last week. And then we all talked about how, what was this offense going to look like without Brant Keithy? And I think I think that's a pretty good start. It's a pretty good preview. Because um, let's be honest, this Oregon State team's pretty good outside oh, of their quarterback give play. The, give Oregon State a lot of credit. They're a good, very good football team. Yeah, they're well coached, um, and and they were tough. I mean, they were tough. You look statistically. I mean, you know, Cam Cam threw for 199 yards. Right, and you're not going to look at that and go, "Wow, that's you know, it's amazing." But he's, honestly, but he's felt like more than five. That. Yeah. You know, so he was not a lot of incompletions, was efficient with the ball, obviously no turnovers, which is huge. But to that point, there were eight guys who caught balls and nine who were targeted. Charlie Vincent could have made it nine guys who caught balls, but he dropped. That one was almost picked off, too. He dropped kind of that easy one. But uh, no, I mean, and that's that's what's going to have to happen, right? It's by committee. We talked about that last week. Kyle's talked about that is you're not going to replace Keithy with one other guy. You've got to replace his production across the board. And obviously you saw that with Vele. Vele gets more involved, seven receptions for 94 yards. That is what you typically would see out of Keithy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh So getting him more involved, Jalen Dixon just continues to be a touchdown machine. (laughs) And how about, how about my boy? I can never say his first name. Munir. (laughs) McLean. McLean. I called out McLean last week. Well, then he can be our boy. <laughs> okay. No, but I mean, he only got one target, but it was nice. Basically, it was. it was just kind of a check down. Shouldn't have gone for anything. Makes two different defenders miss. Picks up a first da- first down. And I never saw and, the field again. Well, no, then, then I love yeah. because of the, well, the very next play, they had him go out as a wide out. They split him out wide. I li- I like that look. I know he didn't get the he didn't get thrown to. Well, but, but he is. I, a, he, he's basically the same type of player. Obviously, not as experienced and not as polished, but he's the same type of body that Keithy was. He's, yeah, he's a former wideout. Got switched to tight end, but he's got the athleticism and the speed of of a, of a wideout. Mm-hmm. And so, 
it'll be interesting to see, can he get more involved in this offense as he picks it up and as the coaches trust him? But there's definitely, there's there's weapons there that this team and that rising is going to be able to utilize moving forward. And, and obviously that key is just going to be keeping everybody involved. Yeah, if they If they keep that up and the running game picks up, the offense is going to be pretty unstoppable. If the if the running running game, game because that's a concern, that's a it, big it is concern. a big concern, and you know I I kind of heard this on on the radio they're talking about it this afternoon, but I remember one thing with Urban Meyer's system is he threw the ball to open up the running game, and I know it's kind of been the opposite under Winningham. It's been running the ball to open up the pass. I really think with the talent of of rising. And now we're seeing the immersions of Vele and Bernard and and Enos. You know, I know he didn't play this week. Um, as as they get more experienced out there, I'm hoping they can kind of use that passing game to open up the defense or open up the rushing attack. Yeah, if they continue to spread that ball around and and score touchdowns, it's going to force the opposing defenses to drop coverages and it, and they can't stack the box. So right there opens up parts of the running game but can they take advantage of it sure yeah right because there's times in that san diego state game we couldn't run the ball right there's been times mm-hmm. in every game where we kind of just struggle uh and and we've talked about this in multiple podcasts short yardage third and third and two third and third and one even where we're just not picking up these short yardages and because we're not getting a push, we're not creating an, a big enough gap to pick up that one or two yards in those short situations. And and that is a huge concern because if now defenses can defend the run without stacking the box and allow them to better play against rising in the passing game, that's where this offense gets crippled. If you can't run the ball and they're putting a lot of guys out in coverage, now what? At some point, this offensive line has got to get it figured out. The running backs need to help them. There's no doubt about it. But the O-line has got to get better push, and they've got to figure some things out to, to get this run game going. Because UCLA right now is the number one team in the conference as far as um, yards given up on per game in the rush game. Now, they really haven't played anybody either, and that's probably mm-hmm. part of that reason. But it's still going to be a big test, and especially Get, going against on that the raucous road, home crowd too. It's going to be half you <laughs> fans. <laughs> but no, it's it, it's definitely a concern, and I think if obviously for this Utah team to win these next two games, you win these next two games, you are in the driver's seat for not only playing for the Pac-12 title, but getting that potential playoff spot. These next two games are huge. If, and it's a big if, you go 2-0 and the next two weeks, sky's the limit, baby. But these are going to be critical, critical games. I'm totally echoing what you're saying, Scott. As much praise as I'm giving Rising for his play, I don't want him leading the team in rushing. Yeah, it's never... great. It's great having him out there. Don't get me wrong, but that's not a good sign for this for this team for your quarterback to be leading and rushing. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, 
let's switch over and talk about that dominating performance by the defense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, I really want to know what the crap was Oregon State's game plan to throw on on Utah and not only throw on them, but throw at Clark Phillips. Especially coming off a performance where you just threw four picks the week before against oh my USC. Goodness. Well, not only that, but he'd already he'd picked him off once, so why go at him again in the next series? Yeah, I mean, obviously the third one was against the backup, um, the backup quarterback. But yeah, I strange, strange strategy. I'm all for it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and let's, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see that moving forward. Now, obviously against UCLA, and we'll get into UCLA in a little bit. It's going to be a little tougher matchup. But um, Clark Phillips, man, what, what a start to that game! Second pass for Oregon State is picked. And gets man just gets Utah going. Rice Eccles was was alive uh, after that first pick. That was fun. That guy's good. That guy's good. He's he's playing himself <laughs> into a first round draft pick. Oh yeah, yeah. And enjoy your enjoy him now because he will not be here next year. <laughs> no, no, he will not. No, um, but I will get. I mean, yes, secondary. You know. Uh, Clark with the three picks, Hubert with the one pick in the end zone. That was huge. Uh, but the front seven, a phenomenal, really holding that rushing attack for... Phenomenal at times. In the okay, red zone, yes. phenomenal. Between yes. the 20s, a little iffy. A, a little iffy. Um, but they did go... Utah did move to a five lineman uh, in this and, game, which was very, very interesting. And of those five linemen, the combination was pretty interesting at times because you had, of those five, you really had two true, like, nose tackles, right? In uh, um, Akili, Biamahe, and, and Tafuna. And then you really had three defensive ends on the field um, with Miki, uh, O'Toole, and, and Ellis. Where, where at times I'm looking at that, and I mean O'Toole and Ellis are still pretty slender looking dudes, right? They bring some speed, which is great. But I thought early on they were kind of getting bullied a little bit, and uh, but it was interesting to kind of watch that uh, that five down lineman look and who we were using in that personnel. And they kind of stayed with it. Even though it wasn't great early, they stayed with it, and they got better. 
as as the game wore on, as you as you mentioned, Cam. But uh, I was a little surprised by that. It was surprising because really, I mean, who was starting the season on the D line? Tennessee Pututau, who doesn't even see the field. I, have we even seen him? Maybe he's in the last injured. couple games. I don't know. No. And but if you remember right, when the when the defensive line was struggling early, we were asking ourselves, "Where's Akili? Mm-hmm. Where's Viamahe? That guy was a stud the second half of last season, and now he's your he's a, he's your second starter next to Tafuna." So I don't know if he was injured early in the season. Maybe that's why we weren't seeing him. I don't know. But but yeah, he's kind of uh, he's kind of establishing himself in there, and then and then Peppa uh, Samote Peppa, the big boy. He's getting more and more reps every game, and I'm like, dude, is I huge. loved it when he chased down that running back and, and just landed, landed on, on him. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that dude didn't have the wind knocked out of him. <laughs> Can you imagine having that dude fall on you? Oh my gosh! Uh, but with that front seven, you know, it was great to see Diabate um, back in in the starting role up he, from his little his, rusty, in, little rusty, he had a little rusty at the beginning. TFLs though, but he, he, he had that uh, in the second quarter. I think it was that uh, near the goal line. He and Cole Bishop busted through the line and, and tackled uh, for the loss to set up their field goal. Um, he, he's also one of the primary guys responsible for that third and what was it? Third and. Eight right before halftime. Right before halftime, they threw that screen that nearly went for seven. Good thing Zamaya Vaughn has wheels. And if you look at the replay, man, did he play that poorly? Oh, and as much as I praise them giving the defense, it wasn't perfect. And um, on the broadcast, they were talking about like so many receivers were wide open with no one around them that the quarterbacks just didn't see. And it's things like that that needs to be cleared up. You know that that um. The attack on that that screen was not great, um, so there's definitely things to clean up by defense on the defense. Definitely things to clean up. It does. It does. We talked a little bit about this last week. It does bother me a little bit how open some receivers are running in the secondary. You know, we made stops when we had to, but the last couple of games. It just quarterbacks haven't been able to find the right guys or make the right throws, but guys have been open. They have been, and and in part that goes to the our schedule. Florida, dude was awesome. Anthony Richardson was awesome on the ground, right? Pretty average through the air. Mm-hmm. SUU didn't have a quarterback that could hurt you. San Diego State didn't have a quarterback no. that could hurt you. Arizona State. Didn't have a quarterback that could hurt you. Oregon State didn't have either quarterback that could hurt you. And that's my concern is now you're going against DTR, who is it's a fifth-year starter. I mean, he's got a lot of experience under his belt, and he looked awesome. He, he looked really good. He had a career game against Washington. And and he he's never played super well against Utah. Now, he he hasn't played against Utah every year due to injuries. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned of what he's going to be able to do with against the secondary because we the secondary has not really been tested by a guy who can throw the ball proficiently and effectively. It's true. We've got two weeks of good quarterbacks coming our way. 
Yeah, and 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 yeah, obviously next, you know, the week after against USC Williams, that guy can extend plays. You saw that just last week um, against Arizona. Oh my State. god, how many times they have him wrapped up in the backfield? And he, he would got extend out. a play, and then he finds somebody that doesn't have any defender even in the 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 view of the TV, right? And that is what's going to kill you. And that and DTR can do the exact same thing. The guy's a complete dual threat. He can hurt you with the, in the run game, but he can obviously hurt you in the passing game. So I think we're going to learn a lot about this defense. There's a lot of criticism going out on the defense right now. They can't stop the run. And there are some questions about the secondary outside of Clark Phillips. And I wonder how much, you know, you went through the teams that Utah has played, and I wonder how much the defensive strategy, play calling uh, strategy they're going into was to give up some things in the air to try to shore up against the running attack. Yeah, because every because every game we went, uh, every, you mean you mean every like game, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl <laughs> game plan. <laughs> and every team that you just went through, Scott, they've wanted to run the ball. Not one of them has ever, has wanted to air out the ball. But that's in part because they don't have a quarterback that no, can exactly. Throw the and ball. so that's what I'm saying. I I, I I'm curious. If Utah was willing to, I mean, not letting guys run wide open down the sidelines, I'm not meaning that, but there was a more of an emphasis on sure. stopping the run, bringing that fifth down lineman. Like, I don't think you're going to see that against UCLA. I think you're going to see more of a nickel, have more secondary personnel. It wouldn't um, surprise me if you see something like Barton or Bishop spying DTR. Because if You'd he, hope. if he, in in the past, you I think we've been more worried about what he can do with his legs versus his arm. And so you yeah, try to yeah. contain him. So I think you gotta do the same thing. You gotta I think you have to try to make him pass to beat you. Oh, for sure you do. I well, I think but, the whole team for UCLA you want them but if, to, to pass. If you get too lax in the run in defending the run, UCLA will embarrass us. Zach Charbonnet right now is averaging over 100 yards per carry. Dude is a good running He's back. He's the number one back in the in the conference right yeah. now. So if if you've got to you you still have to focus on stopping him and you got to stop DTR in anything that he can do in the run game as well. And so with that being said, I think it's almost more critical to stop UCLA running the ball than passing. You're going to give up some big plays in the passing game. You just can't let DTR go absolutely off. Mm-hmm. You've got to contain him in the rush game. You've got to you've got to slow down Charbonnet because otherwise they're going to stay on the field all night long, wear out this defense, and then you're in, then you're in big trouble. Your DNs have got to keep containment. On they can't get overexcited and and lose the containment, and then he slips out, and that's what happened against Florida. That's how he got that fifty some odd yard run. And you know what made me cringe today? Kyle said, preparing for Anthony Richardson will come in handy against DTR. <laughs> oh, Please great. don't use the same game plan you had for Anthony Richardson. Please don't use that same game plan. Hopefully, if they do, they can execute it a slight bit better. <laughs> the cage rush does not work. You've yet to keep anybody inside the cage. <laughs> All right, we're up against a break uh, when we come back. Uh, let's dive more into this UCLA Utah Utes game. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Utah's traveling to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA where they're a four and a half point favorite. You know, we've been talking about how U- what Utah needs to do um, against DTR, try to contain him. Uh, but UCLA's got a lot of weapons as, as we... As we mentioned, Charbonnet in their backfield, uh, but that Bobo receiver from Duke. dude is good. <laughs> is it was he at Duke? He was is a it Duke, Duke transfer? Duke. He's, he's how does legit. that? How does that happen? Duke. A, a how does how does a Duke have a player like that? And then two, how does he end up at UCLA? I don't know. I don't know. He's a big kid too. You, I'm, I'm guessing his dad's on the UCLA staff somewhere. <laughs> and I'm guessing that Phillips will get that assignment wherever he lines up. Yeah, and but. Dude is six, a know, legit big. six he's five, big. and I mean some of those cuts he was he was making in those games. He's stopping on a dime. I mean he looked impressive, very impressive. And and then you go and you you look at, uh, um, you know that receiving core that UCLA has, and and he's by far the best as far as just. Um, um, catches but yards um, because realistically so Alan Alan Kazmir has got uh, has 22 catches for 158 yards Bobo 21 catches for 363 he's their big play guy and is, is, and you saw that against UW is it is it a lot of yak yards or is it uh... I think yeah I think it's a combination I mean they were they were using they were using Bobo looks like Keithy Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's during the Washington game. That's what I was thinking about a lot. Dude has ha, kind of looks like he probably could be a tight end, but he runs like a wide receiver. He's just dynamic, and and they're going to be looking for him in the red zone, all over the field. And man, Clark Phillips is awesome, but that's a big size advantage for Bobo, especially in the red zone. If you're throwing it up into the corner and just let him go like up and get go get it eight inches shorter that's that becomes problematic yeah it's it'll be interesting to see and 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 that's where safety help over the top is going to be critical um but uh yeah i was i was really impressed by what he did the other night you know as, as much as as praise were given ucla i, I do want to point out though they only beat washington by eight so i don't think they're the perfect team. No, um, as, as good as they look against Washington, Washington still had an opportunity at the end to score and tie it. Well, it's because they had a Heisman quarterback playing for him. <laughs> <laughs> Who throws a ball without a white stripe on it. <laughs> they did look really good against Washington, but that doesn't mean that they're just this juggernaut of a football team, right? Utah has absolutely owned UCLA mm-hmm. since joining this conference. Uh-huh. And the fact that we're going down to UCLA after what they just did, they're now ranked, is it 18th? 18th. 18th in the country. And Vegas still has us as a four and a half point favorite. Tells you a little something as far as the respect Utah has and and really where UCLA is. Because we've been saying this for a long time on this podcast. 
UCLA's coming, right? They've just gotten a little bit better year over year over year. And and this is the year, if they beat us, it puts them in a prime spot. Oh, for sure. Where yeah. they, they have now have a legit shot of playing for the Pac-12 title. So... And and they're kind of they've got a lot of seniors. Obviously, they got fifth year senior in DTR who's critical right of that position. They're going to be hungry for this win, um, and it's going to take Utah's best effort. After the game Saturday, I I was ready to say we're going to be lucky to win that game. I've since backed off that. <laughs> <laughs> He's come to his senses. I think I was a little too much in the emotion of, of things at that time and how frustrating the game looked against Oregon State at times and and whatnot. Um, if we take care of the ball, if special teams can just figure out, figure it out, guys. If, if Noyce could just figure out how to not kick it out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's not a game that goes by where there's not something happening where you're wondering, what are we doing? But I don't know. I'm I'm liking I'm liking every day. I feel a, bit, a little bit more confident about this game. I'm yeah. confident that Utah can go in there and, and get a victory. And I think there's as good as UCLA looked. You still have to remember that their first four games were against nobody. But you could say that outside of Florida, you could kind of say that about us. Oh. We- Florida to an, to an and Oregon extent. State too. To an extent. Right, 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 right. Um there theirs is by far much worse. They really have not and, played anybody. And it yet. took a last second field goal to beat South Alabama right. at home. At home. Yep. So as good as they looked, they're they're beatable. Oh, they're very much so. But do you guys think this is a bigger test than Oregon State? A hundred percent. Yeah, because it's on the road too. Even though they don't have a home crowd per se, it, it it's it's tough because it's on the road and they're coming off in at least in their minds coming off a big victory, a big victory. They're finally ranked, and I, you know they have been undefeated all season, haven't been in the top twenty five till now. Uh, and a DTR is a dynamic quarterback, and I think that's a big difference from what Utah has faced, as we've outlined this whole year so far. Outside of Florida. I, I think for me, the at the beginning of the season, I honestly thought this was a trap game. It, it kind of is. Because you got U, USC next week. Um, and, you know, everyone has predicting that the South was going to come down to Utah, UC, uh, USC, you know, who was going to make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, would it be one of those teams or those two will have a rematch in Vegas? Um, and so I, I, I was kind of nervous that UCLA was going to be a trap game. But with being undefeated and being ranked, I, like you, I'm not as nervous as I was before. I think just because I think UCLA is getting the attention that they deserve. Yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And... Uh... I yeah I think I think I think that performance against Washington, even though we don't really know how good Washington is yet, are they are they pretenders or did they just kind of have or is UCLA maybe that good? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out Saturday. 
but uh, but I'm pretty confident we're going to be able to score points on them. Um, but I also think I also think UCLA is going to they're going to be able to score some points on us. You know, I don't I don't think we're going to hold them to thirteen. No, thirteen under. I don't even think we're going to hold them under twenty. And I think they'll be able to move the ball at times, especially between the twenties. I think what's going to be crucial is if we can get those stops in the red zone and turn some of those drives into field into goals. Field goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. I mean, you, you look at what Utah did defensively against Oregon State, statistically, right there. But it was because we just did not let them in the, in the, back in the end zone after, that, after the, what was it, the second possession of the game for them. So that's going to be the key is, sure, give up some yards, but just keep them out of the end zone. Hopefully you can get a few turnovers um, you know, along the way. But uh, man, I'm excited. This is—it's on Fox. It's a day game. It's going to be huge viewership game for uh, for the conference and for both these programs. There's a chance I might be there. Absolutely big. So why aren't you going to be there? You need to represent. (laughs) Okay, so there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be there. Not just a chance. I think there'll be tickets available for you. All right, let's quickly look around the Pac-12 uh, before our, we give our picks for the Utah game and wrap things up here. Uh, kind of a surprising game. USC beats Arizona State 42-25, to but that was close that first half. Really surprising how well Arizona State was moving the ball on that USC defense. Yeah, I mean, it's con- it's considering we held uh, ASU to six, uh, negative six rushing yards uh, the week previous. Um. Yeah, I mean, they kind of look like a completely different team. And again, playing a bad USC defense is going to help, right? They're mm-hmm. just they don't have they don't have they don't have they've got skill guys, but they don't have the trenches down. And uh they're just not there defensively. They did look better in that second half against ASU, but there's there's chinks in that armor for sure. Just another reason Utah needs to get that running game going. Exactly. Uh, so some big news in the conference, Arizona completely destroys Colorado and Carl Durrell is fired from Colorado three weeks after getting the vote of confidence from the <laughs> AD. Know, we we said on this podcast that that's always the vote that you're you never want it. He's owed eight million, eight point seven million to go away. I'd I say, didn't think Colorado had. I'd it, say no. thank you very much. Get me away from this program. <laughs> and you know what? From Colorado's perspective, it's probably worth it. I mean, the dude was doing nothing there. I was just surprised because I didn't think Colorado even cared. Like, but you know what? Colorado has a pretty good. I mean, they've got a really good storied program, right? They haven't done anything in the last fifteen years, but prior to that, they were kind like, of a force in college football, like Cordell Stewart days. Yeah. Like back they, when I was like they've got five. more than fifteen years ago. <laughs> they've got a national title in our lifetime yeah. and a legit one, unlike nineteen eighty four. But I, I think for me, just because they have been bad for so long, that's what I was just saying. Like I, I was surprised they made the move when they did, just because I don't think they that fan base. But you know what? That administration, I just don't know if they care about athletics. I, I like it because it shows they do care. Right? No, I'm not knocking them for doing it. Who who doesn't care is Stanford. They have not won a conference game in a calendar year. And David Shaw has job security out the wazoo. It does not make any sense. 
The guy hasn't done. Yes, I know he won the conference uh, a few times. I know he took you to the Rose Bowl. He gave you some Rose Bowl championship wins. But he has done absolutely nothing since. They have been horrendous. And they're not even competitive. Stanford does not care. Colorado is at least showing they care. You know what still upsets me about Colorado is when we came into the Pac-12 with them, they were they came in as a fully vested member because of who they were, and we had to wait three years to get full payment. And we've completely outplayed them for 12 years. Oh, and they had decades uh, have a head start recruiting as a, as a as P5 a member. Mm-hmm. You know, we were catching up. We had a Mountain West Conference roster when we when we jumped into this thing. So, and and I think that's part of the frustration is they're saying, "Wait a second. Look what Utah's doing. Why can we not be doing mm-hmm. that too?" Right? Because because they've got the resources to do it. They they've had the success in the past. Obviously, they just can't get these coaching hires correct. Which is a huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. In, in today's world, you're seeing that with Wisconsin. Just let's go of Paul Christ. That's what I wanted to bring up next. I mean, it's just crazy. You're just seeing all of these coaches get fired, and, and he, typically it's later in the season when you see it, not yeah. week three, not week four. But, but with Christ, his he was sixty-seven and twenty-six. I know yeah. that that's good, and he still owed sixteen point four million dollars. It's, it, I read today that they they negotiated a buyout of a lump sum of eleven million. Oh, jeez! Um, I know. So Winningham did talk about it in his Monday presser, and he 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 thinks it's the result of pushing up the signing day. Well, and it's because that way you can get a coach in, get oh, on the sure. recruits, for and, sure, and whatnot. But it it is it is crazy the the thing just in in the Pac twelve conference. Now two coaches have been let go already. Is there going to be a third one? What did you guys see? Uh, um, Cazano's uh, article about Chris, uh, Hill. Chris Hill, yes, and Kyle Winningham today, and how how Chris Hill gave him a leash, right, and allowed him to kind of figure things out as they as they transition. But he also said, in today's day and age, would I would I do the exact same thing? Probably not. Why? Because there's more money involved. There's more pressure to win and win right away. And uh, it's just a different world. Coaches do not get time to build programs. And when Kyle does leave, whoever that is, whether it's Morgan Scally or if they go outside, whoever fills that spot has got to win right away. A lot of pressure. To to continue doing what Kyle has been doing. I mean, it's it's. It's a, come a long way since the Ron McBride era. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mafu for Mafu for life, huh? Yeah, it's definitely a crazy world in college football, and now that NIL is getting added in, uh, it's it's just a completely different world <laughs> than what than what we knew uh, just even you know two years ago. Uh, but we, let's go ahead and give it jump into our picks here. So as I mentioned, Utah's traveling to Pasadena. To take on the UCLA Bruins, Utah is a four and a half point favorite. Ryan, we'll start over with you. What's your score and who do you got? I got the Utes winning. I think it's a close game uh, for most of it, but I think that the Utes kind of wear them down in the end and win forty-one to thirty-one. 
Yeah, I think I think the Utes are going to pull us out, but I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I'm going to go a little lower scoring, Utah 31, uh, UCLA 24. Mm. I'm kind of right in there with you guys. I, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. I got Utah 31, UCLA 28. Ooh, Ooh a field goal difference. Yeah, but you called a close game this last week, and look what the score was. No, I, that that is true. That no, is true. You had, had a, you had a low scoring game. You had a low scoring close game. I'm pretty sure I had Utah winning. The, the benefit is you can go back and listen, and we have proof. <laughs> <laughs> so that will do it on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter M, Feather. And Scott? You can find me at Uteman underscore forever. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always listen to us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And we're available anywhere you listen to a podcast. We are there. And hopefully Utah gets a big win over the Bruins. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.